always enjoy this. Uh, Pastor Zach has kind of challenged the elders and some others of us um, this year to take turns and rotations in this thing. And um, a couple couple months ago, three months ago, um, I told him, I was like, hey, I'd like to get on a monthly rotation if you will have me. I said, it just it's easier. It comes more naturally. I stay in it. I don't feel like there's got to be this big hype, like I got to bring it. And you know, Pastor Zach, he always puts it in like these little cutting words. And last night I was texting him. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm finishing up my notes and I just feel like I've got so much content. I don't know how I'm going to bring it down. He's like, hey, you don't have to be C.S. Lewis. Just be Jason Kimes. I was like, ah, uh, I see what you did there. You cut me, but yet you made it to where I'm okay. So thanks, Pastor Zach. I'm not C.S. Lewis. I'm not bringing anything profound today, I promise you. Um, again, as a men's pastor, what I'm able to do is um, I'm able to just kind of like, I don't know, relate more. I don't, I don't ever feel like I bring any enlightenment. Um, if anything, I just try to maybe reformat it in a way that something that you've already heard, um, and maybe you'll catch it this time because I bring it in a different way. So this morning, uh, as I look around, I'm just glad to see familiar faces. Um, I told Pastor Zach as I was sitting out there this morning before everybody started coming in, I was like, man, I really, I really like it the way it is right now. I mean, I want growth. I want new people to come in and, and you know, follow into our community. But in the same sense, like just sitting out there seeing familiar faces um, that, that come in, it's just like, it's nice. It's nice. I don't feel like I have to put on a show. I feel like I can just be here. So I hope you guys feel the same way. All right, Father God, I just thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. Lord, I just thank you for the faces that are here. Father, we just rest. We have made it here. As we breathe in, Lord, the things that you're going to uh, bring to us this morning, we give you the opportunity, Lord, to speak to us. Let our discernment rise. Thank you, Father. All right, well, let's get started. So we've kind of been talking about the church calendar. Uh, Pastor Zach has, has brought this, uh, this piece of information into my life over the last couple of years that has helped me get into this cycle um, of staying with the church liturgy um, calendar. Uh, right now in time of epiphany, the ordinary times, I like that, the ordinary times. And it was talking about um, in the season we reflect on this time of Jesus walking amongst us, the times where Jesus walked out this life on earth as we do in the ordinary days. I think that's so cool, right? So, so many times we kind of like build Jesus up into this thing that we can't even obtain, but we, we forget about what the Gospels talk about, about the ordinary, about him just moving amongst the communities, right? Just traveling, just doing what he does, right? Just ordinary people like us. Pastor Zach had talked about the apprenticeship, kind of gave us that, that breakdown of apprenticeship. We went to Silver Dollar City, I don't know how long ago, which I hate Branson, so I'm just telling you, I hate Branson. But we went to Silver Dollar City. Well, as everybody's doing everything, I walked over to the blacksmith guy, and I was like, this is cool. So I just kind of just stood there. I don't know, me and Aiden ended up standing there probably an hour or so just watching this guy work. And I was like, that is so cool. That'd be an awesome trait. I'm kind of a guy that likes the movies from like the Crusaders and things like that. I like the old, that's the kind of stories and stuff I follow. And movies, uh, Netflix series, you know, The Last Kingdom, uh, all that good stuff. So anyways, I'm watching this thing and I'm like, I think I could get underneath that. I think I could buy into that. 
learning the blacksmith trade. And after about an hour of him still working that piece of steel, I was like, yeah, I got to move on. I don't know. This is taking too long. Like, <laughs> where's Academy? I'll just go buy the knife that I need, and we'll just move on. Um, and I think that kind of relates into us about discipleship, and that's what I'm going to break down today. I'm going to break down that time and that effort of how to merge these two things together. That's what I want to do. Knowing and accounting for the cost of discipleship for our life. Knowing and accounting for the cost of discipleship for our life. Pastor Zach read Mark 1, verses 14 through 20, and I'm going to read those again, but then I'm going to break them down into context. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the message of God. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. Passing along the beach of Lake Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew net fishing. Fishing was their regular work. Regular work. Jesus said to them, come with me, I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask any questions. They dropped their nets and followed immediately. A dozen yards or so down the beach, he saw the brothers James and John, Zebedee's sons. They were in the boat, mending their fish nets. Right off, he made the same offer. Immediately, they left their father Zebedee, the boat, and their hired hands, and they followed. Some quick context to the scripture for clarification purposes, and to help us maybe understand these points that I'm going to be breaking down. Because these young men were on the boats in the middle of the day, when you look at the context, why were they on the boats? Well, if you go back to the context of the time, because these guys were out in the boats, what that implies was they had already missed the mark of what that society had established as you want to become a rabbi. You want to find a rabbi that you're completely studying under, you're learning, you're uh, learning the Torah, you're interpreting the Torah as you move on, and they did not. They were the low and the meek. They had flunked out, and they had to go to work as fishermen, as ordinary men is what they had. Now that you understand why they were on the boat, do you see why they jumped at the chance to leave the boat? What you have is you have Jesus, who was basically a superstar at that time, right? He's your Zion Williamson. He is your uh, LeBron James. He's your big-name guy. He is the big of the big in the rabbis. Everybody, he's well-known. And so he's just walking down, and these fishermen are out there, and they see him coming. They know who he is. And what he does is he gives them a second chance. Hey, come follow me. They have a chance to be doing something like they were called to do, what they wanted to do to study underneath someone. So they jumped at the chance. They left their ordinary. They had received a second chance in what their society placed as the highest form of success. Why wouldn't they jump from the boat? Now, this is where it starts getting real. This is where I texted Pastor Zach earlier in the week, and I was like, I don't like this message. <laughs> it's hitting way too hard on me. And, you know, as Pastor Zach does, he continues to encourage me, press in. The entire week I've been struggling with this message for the way I prepare for anything like this is I first feel things. I've shared with you guys in the past. I feel before I think, right? I can feel something as I feel it. Then I start, if it's something that just continues to weigh on me, then it moves into my head. And before you know it, I'm all in my head and I've left my body feeling it. And now I'm just thinking about it. And that's what this, this discipleship, this wrestle of discipleship has done with me. So in my daily, you know, my daily lives, I, I'm a husband, I'm a father, uh, I'm a boss, 
I am a friend, and I'm a coach. <laughs> I just dropped one ball team yesterday, so now I've just got one more ball team that I'm coaching. I've got all these commitments that I, am, that I, that I have. And then I have what I've always perceived as my discipleship, right? My calling. And I've never merged them together. And it's something about this message as I continue to go through it, I just kept feeling like it's one or the other. How do I merge these things? And that's what we're going to talk about. As I, as I went to my Facebook uh, group for the men, Whereas normally where as I'm processing these things, I'll throw it out there for the men and I'll get feedback from them and, and we'll just kind of wrestle through it together. I asked the question, does discipleship even appeal to us? Is discipleship even something we want as privileged Americans? Is it something we even think about? Why would we want it? Why does it appeal to us? It sparked a couple questions and thoughts uh, on the page. I had a guy uh, jump in there, and then we kind of moved to off of the page. Um, but I've got some questions uh, that we're going to throw on the screen as I read these up. And I want you guys to see these, and I want you to read them. If you're taking notes, uh, take a picture. Uh, you can write them down later. But I want, you to, I want you all to ask these questions. They're good questions. This guy had the boldness to ask these things. Most of us think about them, but we won't, actually, we won't actually lean into it. We won't share it with anybody. It says, I come to church regularly, but honestly, I only do it because I feel that I'm supposed to in order to get into heaven. Because good people get into heaven. My life looks like what is said to be a Christian, but honestly, if you press me on what that is, I honestly don't know what it is. I know there is a God and I want to spend eternity in heaven, but again, honestly, I'm living this life trying to be the best moral, honest person I can be, but I find myself always taking one step forward and three steps back in this sin nature game. Four, I believe in eternity, I just don't have any concept of it or how I'm going to actually get there. Five, I call myself a Christian, but I really don't have time to commit myself to loving others as much as I love myself. Because I have a busy job, I'm very involved as a dad with my kiddos and activities, and I want to give my family the life of adventure that I never had. So now that we have all of these out there, you're probably looking at me saying, okay, Jason, so now what do we do? You've asked the tough questions that we've probably all mentioned or thought. Now what do we do? Am I going to just tell you some more things about God and how that changes it? The answer to all of those is really, really simple. Instead of learning more about God, the answer is allowing God to live with us, which is so easy. Have you ever done anything that you're continuing to work at, continuing to work at, continuing to work at, and then someone walks in and they're like, hey, do this, and it'll be easier. And it's just a small tweak. And they do it, and you're like, I hate you for that, but thank you. And that's kind of like what this is, as I continue to read in this discipleship thing. And I mean, I'm, I'm a 40-year-old man that was brought up in church. It's not like I'm just now discovering this thing. I've, I've done... I don't know how many teachings that were so improper now that I'm looking back at it of how to be a disciple. And it's like, 
Lord, forgive me for, for, for where I led them astray. I hope they're all still, you know, on the search for you. But what it is, it's like I was almost missing the mark because they were separated. Here's our life, and here's discipleship. And it's almost to the point of, like, just saturate them together. You guys are all looking at me like, okay, how do we do that? That's the hard part. Allowing him just to involve himself in all of these things. That's, that's the crazy part of it. Pastor Zach made a profound statement last week. I'm not sure everyone caught it. He had, um, he had texted it to me in his, in his notes and preparing, and so I had a little bit of time to read it and give it some headspace and all that stuff. And I just, I was sitting back and I was like, wow, that slaps you in the face. I hope everybody gets it. And I just gave him like a little winky, you know, winky, winky emoji. But I want to read it again, and I want you guys to try to hear it for the second time because it is really profound. It says, you, don't, you do not understand God because God, in his Trinitarian nature, is a fundamentally social being. And God's very essence is relationship. At the most basic level, God is reciprocal love and rootedness in others. And you do not understand me because you have failed to account for the social aspect of your whole being. As beings, God has chosen to create in God's own image. Participating in this reciprocal love and rootedness is a basic human need and therefore a moral imperative from the God. You must do this, period. Now, there's a lot of meat for that, and his, go back and listen to his whole message about that statement, but what I'm going to pull out of that is the reciprocal love and rootedness in God, the fundamental social being of the Trinitarian God. He created us for this existence together. It's not God over here and then us over here. It's not discipleship over here, and it's not your life over here, right? But they were created to be merged together. God created us in his image, the Trinitarian image, to have reciprocal love in and out. Do we get that? I can't see with I can't see with the mask. It's like, are we getting it? So that brings us to the point, the wrestle of discipleship. In the verses in Mark, we saw how easy it is to give up on what you're doing when you're doing doesn't matter to the society that you live in. They were at the bottom of society. They had an, a, a chance for advancement, if you would. It's easy for them to jump out of the boat, right? Well, let's talk about us. Privileged Americans. I would venture to say, as I look around, that every single one of you walked out of your home or an apartment or some type of four-wall structure this morning, got into an automobile, and drove here. That's privileged, right? So what does this discipleship bring to me that I need? That's where we're at. Let's look at a flip. What if Simon, Andrew, James, and John had been making a very wealthy living fishing? All the other people in the community spoke about them owning their own boat. Man, y'all have boats. They always had the best fish fry dinners. They always had dinner, great dinners, biggest parties having all the influences in their small-town politics because they were small business owners. They had money. They had wealth. They had a voice. 
What would it have looked like to them if Jesus would have walked and said, come and follow me? Have you thought about that? Yeah. You could put us in that scenario. We may not be fishermen. I don't know the first thing about fishermen. But in the same point, I, I'm good at what I do. And so this discipleship, this call to, to merge these things together, to allow God to have this room in my life, there is a struggle. Well, how do I continue to do this? And which is what was put as great importance on me from a young man to grow and to be successful, to fight, to earn, to work hard, to gain these things, to help others, to take these resources and give them out. You've got to get more resources. It's to fight for more resources. You need a bigger voice. The more you have, the bigger voice you have. When you have a voice, then you can voice into situations where you think injustices are done. These, these all sound like good things, right? That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm doing. As I continued to read this message, I was talking with Pastor Zach, and we've got an apprenticeship class coming up um, starting this coming week, yeah, um, about this. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, so I think he's going to do it on Wednesday nights. Monday night, Zoe's got ball games until like, she, I think they're till five or six, and then Emberly was going to have practice. Well, I don't have that anymore. Aiden's got practice on Tuesday nights, and then Wednesday nights are free. Okay, I can go to the apprenticeship class. Thursday nights, we pick up back with practice, and then Friday nights, we got another game, and Saturday and Sunday, and on and on. And I'm weighing out these schedules, and what I'm doing is I'm like, hey, discipleship, hey, life. I'm trying to weigh them out is what I'm trying to do. They, why, aren't, why aren't I merging these things together? Are you guys relating to this, or am I the only bad person? Good. Well, at least you got the bad person centered by himself. You're doing well as a community. That's good. I want to talk about Luke 9, verses 50 th 57 through 62. I think Ms. Christian or Chris, one of the two, is going to put them on the board for us. I want to read these verses. Because these are the verses that I relate to, that me and my discipleship, where I am at, I'm not near as advanced as they were in Mark. This is my struggle. So, 57 through 58, it says, On the road, someone asked if he, if he could go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rev it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know? Wait, that doesn't... Hold on. What are you talking about? You're this great rabbi. How come, how come it's not going to be easy if I start following you? Don't you have a voice? Don't you, aren't you going to be able to make it easy on us? I mean, you've got it made, right? Verses 59 through 60. Jesus said to another, Follow me, he said. Certainly. But first excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangements for, for my father's funeral. Jesus refused. First things first, your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. No wrestling with that one? I mean, the dude's just trying to bury his father, right? We're going to come back to that one. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, Master, but first excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Jesus said, no procrastination, no backwards looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. In verses 59 through 60, that's the one that rattled me when I started this. That one is the one that's caused me the most thought, the most exploration of my life this past week. 
The context to this verse, as I interpret it, I have so much going on at home, helping my father and family with all the daily tasks and life things. This is what the man's really saying. I feel a great responsibility to him now. But once I have everything in order, and I have buried him, I will come to you. Thanks again, this sounds really awesome. And I would even say I want this and I need this. But I have so many other things that I'm committed to right now. Now, does any of that kind of resonate with you guys? Would you allow yourself to think like that? It's like, yeah, this thing sounds great, and I want to get involved. You know, for the last four years, I think I've been here, or five years or something, I've seen this great influx, and now it's starting to kind of shrink back down, and now it's kind of starting to kind of build from a healthy manner again. And I've seen so many families come in and like, hey, I'm all in. Let's do this. Where do you need me? And you start to kind of plug them in, and before you know it, it's just that thing. They were not ready, and they layered something else on there, and they can't sustain it. And before you know it, they have that burnout, right? You just see it in their face. They're just like, I love you, but I, I don't even know what to do. I'm just, I'm just going to go to another church, and I'm going to rest for a little while. And it's like, no, don't leave. Don't leave. Press in. Find a place to settle into this thing right? When Pastor Devin stepped down, you know, he did it in such a way that was so different and unique. He realized that what he needed was a time of rest in his life, but he stayed, right? He didn't leave. Where so many times people just give up, they just throw their hands up, no, I can't do it. And why? There's a shame that we have all passed around for generations and generations, it's a shame on you for not showing up on Sunday morning. Shame on you for not being more involved in what we're doing. Shame, 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 shame. And so what do we do? We run from this shame and we go to another shame, right? And we just, we just keep going in this cycle. And that's what we want to get away from here. We want to get away from that. There is no shame. There is no shame. And I asked her if she's back at work, how that was going. And she said, it's hard to get back into the rhythm. It's hard to learn something new after you've been doing something for so long. So it all sounds good about what I'm talking about this morning, the questions I'm asking you, and you're kind of resolving the answers, and you're like, yeah, that's how I'm going to do discipleship. I'm going to merge these things together. And everything that I do, I'm going to allow God to be with me on that. Why is it so hard to change? And the simple answer is because it's different out there. Everything out there is a me mentality. What can I gather? What can I gather? What benefits me? My family? What can sustain us? And that's not what the kingdom looks like. It's a different heart of love and acceptance, of meeting them where they're at, generosity, giving. Giving in the community of believers should be something that we never speak about. What it should be is it should just be natural. It should be something that we're yearning to do. PZ and I were talking about that. It's like, you always hear, buddy, whenever I, hear, whenever I win the lotto, man, I'm going to give. I'm going to give. 
No, you're not. Because you're going to take what you think is yours, and then you're going to give an excess. That's not giving at all. That's letting them have what they think is theirs, right? I'm going to let you guys be seated. I'd like to say that I'm almost done, but I've got some more for you. So give me, give me some grace here. I've got a story I want to tell you. As I was finishing this up yesterday morning, I was wrapping this up. Kids are perfect for illustrated sermons. I'll just tell you, if you don't have any, you need to get some for illustrated sermons. I'm sitting there, and I've got my noise-canceling headphones on, and like, I think it was Bach was what I was listening to, just kind of losing myself, and I'm sitting there just kind of going over my notes, condensing everything down, and my son is getting ready to go play a basketball game, and he's asking me questions about his shot. And this has been going on for months. Hey, Dad, I need to work on this in my shot. I need to work on this in my shot. And anytime we get in the gym or we're around the goal, he's all about working on it. Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? I'm like, son, have you done the drill that I told you to do that will fix that shot? No. I was like, okay, so lay on your back right here on the floor as I'm sitting here in my chair and practice it. He lay down on the floor. He shot it twice. No, I'm ready for something else, Dad. This, ain't, this isn't going to fix it. Why is it that we will do so many works to try to obtain something when the easiest thing to fix it is just a tweak, but that tweak is so hard? Why is that? He's eight years old, and it's literally laying on your back and shooting a ball up in the air. That's it, and that will fix this lifetime of problem that will occur in his shot unless he fixes it now. But he chooses to keep the hitch. Why is that? Why do we do that? Again, this man that is my mentor, Pastor Zach, has laid it out already for me. He said, we're either lacking the vision, the intentionality, or the means to live out this discipleship life. So Aiden's got the vision. He sees the problem. But the intentionality is where he's hung up at. If you're like me and you've seen it and waited, but are trying to implement this discipleship into your ordinary life, then this is what the discipleship and community of believers looks like. This is what all of the first disciples were doing when they began living out their lives in community. They were still ordinary guys, but they had made a decision to allow Christ to live with them. Underline the word with them. Accepting to live with God with us and accepting that God desires and actually created us to live in relationship with Him is something most of us just can't fully grasp. God is not this great deity that created us and set us down there and said, I want to watch you. That's not what he did. He created us in his image, and he wants to live with us. That's pretty awesome. A God that is able to create desires relationship in everything. 
All that he desires is for us to include him in our everyday lives. Make him a part of that. He will then make himself known to others through that, through others through that. What does it look like when I choose to let Christ be a part of my ordinary days, my ordinary job, my ordinary dad activities? What does it look like? When I choose for him to be a part of this everyday, ordinary life, I am making a fundamental decision to follow Christ and to become a disciple in this community. The essential role in discipleship is to share and to exist in close proximity and community. How do we be consistent in this? I think John 13 says it the best. Let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way that I loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Now, there is some practical ways of doing this. And you can find a mentor or mentors. Make it part of your daily life to sit down and share what God is going and doing in you, with you. Talk it out. Uh, I said earlier that you're starting an apprenticeship class this coming Wednesday, right? Pastor Zach's going to start a 30-week 30 30 week course and, and giving, giving us those tools that we need. It's something that I weighed out and I actually wrestled with. You would think, hey, Jason's an elder. He's supposed to be doing this. I, I, str I struggled with it. It was something that's like, I don't know that I have time to do anymore. And then this message came to me, and it's just like making me just wrestle with it. And it's like, how can I afford not to stay committed to this? How can I not afford to stay involved in this community of learning and allowing God to just continue to move with me in all that I do? And so it challenged me. If you would, stand with me. Last time I asked you to stand. Father, we just thank you again, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you that your spirit is alive and well and moving within us. Father, I pray that you would just examine the hearts and the minds that are listening online, that are here today. Father, that there would be something that was said that would catch. Something would enlighten us. Something would drive us, Lord, to change, encourage us, sustain us on this. We thank you, Lord, that you do exist with us, not apart, but with us. We thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus.